I hope that you will use, rather make every effort to attend a Memorial Day service somewhere this weekend. Um, understand, there, or, or as I would understand it, Memorial Day is its primary, its primary purpose is to acknowledge those who have uh, served in the military and particularly those who gave their lives in the military. This is something we should never forget. We have a Veterans Day that acknowledges all those who serve, but Memorial Day is for those who have passed on from us. But because they've left us, you know, we can't acknowledge their presence here. So what I would like is for anyone here this morning who has borne the uniform of America um, military service, would you please stand in representing yourselves as well as those who have gone on before us? Would you please stand at this time? Arnold, thank you, Bob, Dave. Okay, here we go. You see, there's a good number among us. Gene, you sat down too fast, okay? You've got to get up again, Gene. Gene is spry enough to get up and down. If you want, he'll get up and down ten times for you, okay? Come on, stand back up. Because while you're standing, Gene, we can't go any further till you stand back up. Can we thank these guys for their faithful service? Here we have Jordan right in front of me. I didn't even see him. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that so very much. And though I didn't name everybody, you saw everybody who was here. And um, there are realities to being in the military, as we have celebrated with uh, uh, Jordan being back with his family now, just within the course of this last couple of weeks. And we're so thankful uh, for them. It is because this is the Memorial Day weekend that I have chosen the verse that I have chosen. And it will make sense to you by the time we get there, I trust. But what I wanted to do was to hear a first-hand account of a veteran who experienced the, the Korean War. And you'll see how it relates to the message that we're bringing, because this is bringing us into the Word together. And um, please understand, this is just one person. I could have gone person to person to person to everybody that has stood here, and many of them were, were deployed into action in, in other lands, um, but it seemed like this was the best way to go about this. So we're going to hear a tape of Johnny Roseland. And you can actually find this on the internet. And uh, it's about a full hour we're going to listen. I trust we can get about seven minutes in, uh, Paul. Can we get the, I'd like to get that whole, that whole length of what we had talked about. And so please listen to our own John Roseland. He went home to be with the Lord a couple of years back. But this tape he put together for his family. Uh, so they would have recollections of his experience in Korea. And we should be able to make it work, can't we, Paul? They were lined up there, 500 prisoners of war, through my interpreter. And there was 12 men that was in charge of the prisoners after they had gotten to the command. I told them, this is your home. It's also my home. I didn't want this home. And I know you didn't want it as your home. But let's make it our home and let's do the best I can. And, of course, I saw a few of them smile. They figured, yeah, that's the best way to do it, I think. Let it make it the best we can of it. I even tried to construct an indoor place where they could urinate so they didn't have to carry out all their urine out over the hills and dump it into big wells. So they would just have to carry the heavy stuff in their honey buckets out over the hills. Their honey buckets were made 
uh, 55 gallon barrels cut in half. And then it was tied to heavy wire. So two men could stick a pole underneath this heavy wire and carry the honey bucket across their shoulders with this long six or seven foot pole. And there would be groups that would carry out their toilet waste down on the hillside and dump it into big pits. Well, this is how they got rid of their waste when the prison camp was once established. But earlier in that spring, when all the prisoners were there, in a group of five, wait a minute, five thousand, I think it was, or eleven thousand, eleven thousand altogether, but they had broken it down into five thousand and six thousand, two groups. And it is one prison camp, all the waste run to the low side. All the low manure and human waste run to the low side of that group of prisoners. And the rain would wash it down in a small coulee. Well, one night when I was put on guard duty, up in that tower, the lights had been established and there was a light above my head. But this human waste was running. It had rained and it was washing down past the guard door. And it was warm. And all kinds of bugs would gather around that light. And to visualize all these bugs that had been down in that manure, oh, it was just filthy. My face, I had been killing these bugs on my face, and I was really a filthy mess that morning. One time on the guard duty, you see, after they got rid of this here sewer line on top of the ground, they built a sewer line out of 55-gallon barrels with the ends cut out, and from end to end they put these barrels underneath the ground. And, and this probably was 50 feet long or so as it went underneath the double fences outside and then run down the stream. And there was two prisoners that tried to escape through this human waste. I would say there was only there was uh, three-fourths of the barrel was flowing full. But they escaped, and the guards had saw them come out. And of course, they never did get very far. The prisoners, or the guards, took them and put them right back in the prison camp. And these honey bucket details uh, later on during the summer got interesting. I used to go with them. They must have had a good half a mile to crawl, carry these barrels to the up on the hillside where they had these big pits to dump this stuff in. And my interpreter was along one time. I forget how many prisoners had carried these buckets out, but quite a few buckets. And when we were standing there, we saw a bunch of native uh, South Koreans standing a distance from us. And I saw one lady, uh, she had a handkerchief, she was crying. And I said to my interpreter, who are those people over there? Why is one crying? Well, she said, he said, he told me that she spotted her son carrying the honey buckets. And she had heard that he was in this prison camp and she came to see him, but she couldn't get contact and, and get, no, no, no natives were allowed in the prison camp. No natives whatsoever. Nobody could come and see their their sons in the prison camp. 
But see, this boy was from South Korea, and he ended up in a prison camp, and her mother had found out that he was in this prison camp, and she came to see him. Well, I said to the interpreter, let one of the, let the prisoner go and talk to his mother. So I watched him, and he went over there, and he was talking to his mother, and his mother was so happy to see him, she put her arms around him. And you know, I would have liked to, to let him talk quite a while, but you know, war is war. I had to do things I didn't want to do. I had to tell that prisoner to come back. And my group of prisoners started to scatter one time, and I had to shoot above their head to get them together again. Well, he came back, and I could tell that he had been crying. There are humans, too. I don't know if he ever saw his mother again. Because in Korea, it was one of the most disastrous war. Everything was in such confusion. You cannot... Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. War is war. And sometimes you have to do things you do not want to do. And he didn't want to separate that mom from her son, but knew he just could not, you know, couldn't do it any other way. He'd given as much room as he could. Our text today is that we've selected it because this is Memorial Day weekend. And I want to read it in context. So uh, verses, uh, ch- chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 of Second Timothy is what we'll look at. But we're going to focus very much on verse 3 and in its context of verse 4. So just to give us a running start, Second Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read this. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And here is our verse for today. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in the warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he completes, competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Well, for our intents and purposes today, friends, we're going to look at the first of three word pictures. The word picture of the soldier, that's ours. The athlete and the farmer are all put right together. And there's a common There's a common theme that each one has that ties with the others, and that is each of them, the soldier for his good service, the athlete who plays according to the rules, and the farmer who works hard are all rewarded. They're all recognized by the time their labors are done. So that's what ties those all together. But what I would like us to note, specifically now in verse 3, the first thought that we want to make is just this. Service for Christ requires endurance. 
The idea, as Paul says to Timothy, he says, endure hardship. And the word is, it's, it's a three-part word that literally means to, to feel with or to suffer bad feelings. They're negative feelings is what it is, but difficulties, right? With others, Okay, bear them along with yourself. If I were to, if I were to give, you know, um, a paraphrase to this, I think that I, would, I, I might have Paul say to Timothy, plan on feeling some bad stuff, Timothy. This is not going to be a cakewalk for you. This, there are difficulties that go just like a soldier, as we heard from John Roslin. You know, he endured things that, uh, uh, and there's more. I hope you will listen to that. By the way, that's on the Northland website. You can listen. It's about an hour long, well worth listening to. Um, But just some of the stuff that he dealt with and uh, everyone who is here who has been deployed into active duty can tell you, yeah, we experience hardship and we have to endure these things that don't feel all that great. And so service for Christ, first of all, according to verse 3, is going to require endurance. It's going to require something of us. And as I contemplated this, this epistle, this letter, to second, this second letter to Timothy, it seems to me that throughout the letter, he is just, these things just keep swirling. The two things that we're going to talk about here today, they're just, you, you could see why he says what he does about being able to endure hardship. I would like to give you uh, a number of things. I want to move through them quickly, but so you can get a feel for this letter as a whole and the tone of the letter and why he's saying what he is. So in chapter 1, verse 8, and you won't see these up there because we're going to move too quick. You can write them down if you want to look at them later or grab a Bible of the pew in front of you because everything's going to be in Second Timothy. It will be easy to follow. Chapter 1, verse 8. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So right in that verse, I notice three things. Number one, there's always the potential for shame that we carry. You see, we live, we live in contrary to a dark, a dark kingdom, and it will look to shame us for embracing the gospel for believing in Jesus Christ, for us to be able to say he's the very foundation of our lives. There's a system that will shame us in that and and look to put us down because of that. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony, nor of me, his prisoner. There are times when, you know, a high price is going to be paid. And we have been spared from that in America. I don't know that that will last forever. I see things that lead me to believe, you know what? We are not always going to be as free as we are. He says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. He makes it very clear. I made in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ in a, in a Bible study at Displains Bible Church back when I was in my college years. And I first began to go, and I got so excited by this stuff that I'm learning and what God is teaching me about the gospel that I didn't pick up from my church upbringing, and it's setting me free, and I'm excited by it, and I'm delighted by it. And I recall I made the, what I now consider a mistake 
as I would try and share Christ with my peers. Dude, you got to get into this. This is the best thing ever. Life is no, could never be better. Life is great. Life is wonderful. It's just awesome. And everything I painted is just bright sunshine and everything always good. I really was experiencing it that way at that time. A couple years later, I'm at a place where I go, why am I even bothering trying to live this out? Okay, a couple of years later, I came to the point of recognizing that there's a burden that goes along with this. There's an endurance that is necessary. And I didn't think that's what I had signed up for early on. I liked the joy and the fun. But it was requiring an endurance, and I seriously considered walking away from it. I honestly entertained that because it just didn't seem to have all the fun that it did at the, at the beginning. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. These are the lead-in verses to our verse for today. Why does he need to be strong in grace for this thing of discipling others, committing this on to others who will be able to teach those who will teach it and keep this thing going. Why do you need to be strong for that? Well, I I would just like to throw this out as a possibility because anybody who's been in, I don't mean just pastoral ministry, those of you who serve in Awana, those of you who serve with youth, those of you who serve with the women's ministry, wherever it is, if you've done this for a length of time, we have all experienced the same thing. We have all experienced that there are people who come around, they seem excited, they seem like, man, they're really getting this, we're excited for them, we invest ourselves in them, and there comes a point they walk away and you kind of go, what happened? And we have all experienced it. And sometimes you go, what, what, why are we doing this? Why am I putting in so much effort for this kingdom work when people seem to so quickly come and go and, and, okay, now where do we go from here? That can be difficult, friends. It can be very, very difficult to see people leave. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. This is what we can anticipate, all right? Timothy Don't think that this is going to be a cakewalk goes on and things get better and better. No, actually, Timothy, it's tough now. It's going to get worse. Perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He said, this is what you can expect in the days ahead, Timothy. This, these are the headwinds we're trying to sail against. He says, from such turn away. We are immersed in, a, in, 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 surrounded by a dark kingdom. And he says, you've got to learn to live, you know, in the world, but not of it. You've got to learn to say, that's, that's not going to be a part of my life. I've got to live something different because I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And so, uh, yeah, that's headwinds. Chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, Timothy. I'm encouraging you to live godly in Christ Jesus. But know this, you're going to suffer persecution for it. 
All will. Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceived and deceiving and being deceived. But you, in contrast, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, don't expect that as I sit here in this, in this Roman prison and I do not expect to get out of here, and he did not. That's the difference between Romans, or 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. In 1 Timothy, Paul is expecting to be delivered from prison. Here he's expecting to be delivered to death. Different context and framework. And he says, and Timothy, this, you know, this is what we just anticipate. Here's how the dark kingdom deals with those who seek to live uh, godly lives. And he says, but in spite of that, you must continue in the things which you have learned. Soldier on, Timothy. Like a soldier enduring hardship, you keep going, even though it isn't always a cakewalk. Last one. There's others, but I'm just stopping here. Chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Here's what you're to do, Timothy. You're to make the word known. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Timothy, you're, going to, you're, you're to go about your ministry. You're to be faithful with your ministry. Patiently, you are to teach and convince and give good arguments towards things and help people see the error of their ways. But they're going to turn. They're going to come to a point where people are just going to say, you know, I'm on to something new now. I'm not buying in so much into that, into that whole Jesus thing anymore. And in light of that, he says, but you. They may turn away, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And repeatedly throughout this epistle, you can see how Paul is making it clear to Timothy. One, keep going. Soldier on. Do not stop. And by the same token, understand, Timothy, it won't be pleasant. Understand you will pay a price. Understand that there's a dark kingdom that is no friend to grace and they will constantly be looking to undermine you in whatever way they can. Because, Timothy, you really are engaged in a battle. There are kingdoms that are in conflict with one another, Timothy, and you're on the right side, but it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to grow weak. It's easy to wonder, why are we doing this? Timothy, soldier on. That's the first thing. Secondly, service for Christ clarifies our priorities. Calls us to endurance, and then it clarifies our priorities. Now, we looked at chapter 1, verse 8 earlier. I'm going to come past through the book again, looking at, for something else now. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, verse 8, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We talked about that earlier, about how how expansive 
this redemptive work is. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Here's the new priority. The new priority is to understand that you're now, Timothy, part of the kingdom of light. You're, you're part of this redemptive work that God had in mind before time even existed. And you, he gave you a place in it. And now, Timothy, you are to live out your place in this in absolute confidence as to who Jesus Christ is, what he has accomplished, what he is doing, and uh, now, knowing that, that you are also going to commit your life to him completely every day, every moment of every day, Timothy, and even when it's not fun, believing that there is truth and there is reality found in the person of Jesus Christ and to live for his honor, his glory, and his kingdom is how we live regardless of what circumstances look like around us. Then he goes on in chapter 2, right after the verses that we have read. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Timothy, here I am. I am in chains because of my stand for Jesus Christ. This isn't a whole lot of fun, Timothy. But though I am chained, and though I will not get out of this prison with my life, Timothy, the Word of God is not chained. The Word of God is not limited. God continues to do His redemptive work. And so I am going to continue to speak the truth of the Word of the Gospel from the context of the confinement of my change because I know that God has determined that there are those who are going to come to faith because of my ministry. And for their sake, I am going to continue to live for this because God... Timothy is bigger than my circumstances. And so you can see how, how Paul is helping Timothy to reorient his priorities. That Timothy, it's not about yours and my comfort. It's about the Word of God, which is eternally doing, having a redemptive purpose and accomplishing eternal things. Chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Firmly Awana stands led by the... Those of you who are with Awana understand what I'm getting at. This is the Awana verse. It's based upon this. And he says, Timothy, here's the goal of your life. To present yourself approved to God, that when you have lived your life out, rather than all the people in another kingdom who have decided to go after their own desires, their own fleshly desires, and live for themselves, which is what the dark kingdom tells us to do, hey, live for yourself, Timothy, you're living for the sake of one day hearing the approval of God that says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
That's your priority, Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 22. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Timothy, let me tell you how this works. In the context of a great home, there are some vessels that, uh, that they're honorable and they're brought out before the king and, and he drinks from them. That's, that's what happens in those. And there are others that the servants drink out of. Okay, there are other types of vessels that would never be placed at the king's table. Timothy, live in such a way that you're a vessel that is of value that the king would receive you to his table and use you to, from which to drink. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, it's a word picture that, he is, that he's drawing. And in that, he says, uh, flee youthful lusts. I believe there's the whole moral purity thing that is in there, but I think it's more... Then just that in our youth, all the dreams we had, all the stuff we were going to do, all, all the things we were going to accomplish, all the goals we're heading for. He says, yeah, get away from that, that, that stuff because you have one goal in mind. You have a new priority. The new priority is to live in such a way that God is pleased to use you. That's your new priority, Timothy. I'm sorry. I found that to be very difficult as a young man. Can I be honest with you? This time of the year... I can remember being, you know, uh, at the University of Illinois campus. I have not forgotten that as you get into about the last three weeks of the school year, it finally warms up there in Illinois, in central Illinois. It's warm enough. And all the sunbathers come out. And there's all these co-eds sunbathing on the quad that I've got to somehow get from this side of the quad to that side of the quad, and everything inside of me says, hey, take the path that's going to put you closest to the co-eds. It was not easy by any means to know that every other guy on campus can freely walk by those co-eds, and I have to take a route that keeps me at a distance from them. I didn't find that easy. I didn't find that fun. I kind of resented it at times, to be honest with you. But... I was trying to learn to live with new priorities because that's what Paul is telling Timothy that the second thing about living for the kingdom is it's going to reorient your priorities. Lastly, I'll just switch, and I'm skipping some stuff. I'll just skip to chapter 2, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So he says he doesn't expect to be delivered from this imprisonment and was not. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Timothy, I know that living for Jesus is going to cost me my life about now. So that's what you might have in store for you, Timothy. He says, but finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Timothy, live with these priorities. Join me in these priorities, Timothy, that we live for the honor of the kingdom. We seek to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called, this eternal calling that we have so that one day 
as I have received the crown, Timothy, I want you there to receive the crown with me. There is a reward, Timothy. Live for that reward, not the rewards of the dark kingdom, which are selfish and uh, very much based upon, hey, I want my needs met right now. No, Timothy, there's a different way to live. You have new priorities, Timothy. And I want one day when those crowns are given, I want one day for you to stand next to me wearing a crown of righteousness because you lived according to the right priorities and you allowed God to reorient your life. As we listen to the end of that, uh, of that sound from uh, that video, it wasn't a video that we saw, the tape, the recording of Johnny Roseland. But war is war. And sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. And this imagery that Paul is saying of Timothy, soldier on, Timothy. There is hardship you're going to endure. It is real. It is difficult. And you're going to watch at times everybody around you look like they're having the grandest time of the world. And you're going to feel very lonely, very isolated, and sometimes even embarrassed and foolish to continue to walk with Jesus Christ. But Timothy, one, endure. Expect it and endure it. And two, live with new priorities because the day will come, Timothy, when the crowns will be given out. Then you will know that you lived life the way you were supposed to. And the one who has enlisted you in his service will be pleased to say to you, well done. He will increase your rank. He will take you up from the enlisted man to one who, you know, Scripture says that we do not know that we're going to judge the angels. Timothy, you can have a place in that. But it's going to be hard in this life. It's going to require new priorities. But it will be worth it. Friends, no different for us. We're trying to live out our faith life in the context of a kingdom around us, a dark kingdom around us that wants to, one, cut the legs out from under us, wants to shame us, wants to t- show us that, hey, there's all sorts of more fun things you could be doing right now. Why are you wasting your time living for Jesus? Hallelujah, right? Forget that. Come join us. In a really sad verse in chapter 4, verse 10, where Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. The sadness to know that for many of us, we decide, yeah, I guess the world is the way to go. This Jesus thing isn't worth it. I'm trying to encourage us today, friends, to go, yes, it is. Paul is pleading with Timothy while he is facing his own imminent death for living for Jesus. He's saying, it's going to be worth it, Timothy. I'm going to be killed for this, but it's going to be worth it, so... Soldier on, brother. Do not throw in the towel. My friends, I don't know where you're at today, but I'm willing to bet that there are people who are here right now, in this room right now, who would say, you know, I'm not sure. I want to take the next step in the direction of Jesus Christ. I don't want to take that next step. This is hard. This is not the fun that I wanted in this life. And friends, I'm here to encourage you to say, keep seeking Jesus we are told it's going to be difficult at times. I'm not arguing that it's, that, oh, it's not difficult. It is. I'm saying expect that. But I'm saying it's the only way to live. It's the only priorities to have is to know God, to allow him to work in our lives.
so that one day he puts the final stamp upon what our life was really all about. Father, thank you for the joy of being here today, Lord. And as we contemplate this on Memorial Day weekend, we have real live accounts of people who have suffered as soldiers, people who have endured hardship as soldiers. And we thank you for them, Lord. Again, we thank you for the safe return most recently of Jordan with his family. And we know he endured things that he probably will never tell us, Father. We thank you for them. But we thank you also that they illustrate for us that we are to stay true as good soldiers for Jesus Christ. Because one day when the hardships are over, crowns will be given out, rewards will be acknowledged, and we will hear the most precious of all words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, may that be the guiding priority of our life, we ask in Jesus' name.